Welcome to HSBC Global Viewpoint, the podcast series that brings together business leaders and industry experts to explore the latest global insights, trends, and opportunities. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes. Thanks for listening, and now on to today's show. The following podcast was recorded on the 18th of May 2023 by HSBC Global Research. All the disclosures and disclaimers associated with it must be viewed on the link attached to your media player. To our regular listeners, please note that the name of this podcast is changing to the Macro Brief from the 1st of June 2023. You'll find us in all the usual places by searching for the Macro Brief. And now, on to the podcast. Hello, I'm Piers Butler in London, and I'm joined by Aileen Van Dyne in New York. Hi, Piers. Coming up on today's program, we assess the ongoing uncertainty around the US debt ceiling and how it could affect the outlook for the dollar. We find out why the Swedish economy deserves more attention than you might think. And what issues are companies thinking about and talking about most? We explain how data science techniques can give us insights. We begin this week here in the US, where debate around the debt ceiling is continuing. The country could run out of cash and even default if no agreement is reached by June. Dara Ma, head of FX strategy in the US, is here to look at how the uncertainty could affect the dollar. So Dara, let's start with a quick update on where we stand in the debt ceiling negotiations. Well, uh, they're still negotiating, um, but the the recent mood music has improved uh, this week relative to last. Um, President Biden has expressed confidence that an agreement can be reached. Um, The House Speaker, um, Mr. McCarthy, has uh, said that a deal this week is doable. Um, We'll see if all of that happens. Uh, President Biden's um, heading to Asia for the G7 summit. He's, He's back in the US on Sunday. And he suggests that a deal is unlikely before he gets back. So that's the kind of time frame we're operating on. But definitely a, a better aura around the negotiations than we had last week. So, well, we'll see how it plays out, but it, but it is encouraging. And Dara, has this had any impact on the markets yet? Because obviously the effects of no deal could be significant, but we have been here before. There have been these negotiations it seems to be part of U.S. politics almost around the debt ceiling. It is having an impact on markets, but really only in in particular pockets of particular markets. Um, And I I think part of that is, as you say, we've been here before. There's a working assumption that this might go down to the wire, but ultimately they'll find a resolution. Or even if they don't find um, a timely resolution that any kind of default scenario uh, would be rather short-lived. Um, so it's, you know, the kind of the lasting takeaways for currency markets and others um, has been, I would say, relatively limited. Now, of course, all that can change if if the if that presumption proves overly optimistic and you know, we, we don't get a deal and we have a protracted default scenario. But what's interesting there is that even if we were to make that assumption um, of a protracted default, for example, it's not always immediately clear what the currency takeaway would be, for example. You know, the dollar is a safe haven on paper. We should buy it if, if we're in a, a problematic setup. But by the same token, this is a US-centric problem. So do you really want to own US assets when when that story might be unraveling? So 
even if we had clarity on the outcome, it's not necessarily the case that there's clarity on how the currency market might respond. And I imagine that would be true of other markets also. And I suppose to that point, um, the experience in 2011, where the US credit got downgraded due to similar kind of concerns in a similar situation, uh, the dollar rallied in that context, didn't it? Yeah, so there was there was a, a safe haven element there. Um, the, the difficulty, of course, always with comparing with a, a you know a previous episode is there's seldom only one thing going on in currency markets or in financial markets. And in in 2011, there was a number of moving parts, and of course, in in 2023, we've also got the Fed to think about, presumably near or at the peak of its tightening cycle. How does the debt ceiling story play out in the context of monetary policy? Uh, we've got the ECB tightening. We, we have still inflation too high globally. So there's a lot of elements that bond markets and by extension currency markets have to digest. And it, it doesn't really lend itself to this neat kind of, well, in 2011, we had this impact and therefore we could anticipate an identical reaction function in, in 2023. It'd be lovely if we could do that, it would make my job easier. But um, sadly, that's not quite, I, I suspect, how it plays out. Well, it means we can have lots more to talk about, Dara. So thanks so much <laughs> for the update. Thanks. Thanks, Celine. It's been a good week for Sweden as they scooped this year's Eurovision Song Contest on Saturday night. But on the economic side, things are not quite so positive. Already, weak activity data are getting worse, against a backdrop of sharp interest rate rises over the past year. So could this be a warning sign for the rest of the world? James Pomeroy, global economist, joins us now. James, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, James, the state of Sweden's economy isn't usually at the top of investors' minds, but you're saying they should be paying more attention to it. Why? So Sweden's a really interesting almost test case for the world so far this year, where the impact of high interest rates seems to be feeding through into the economic data really quickly and really clearly. So we've seen a big slowdown in the housing market, one of the worst housing markets globally over the course of the last year. But this is now spreading into broader consumer demand, which looks to have fallen off a cliff. We can see this in much, much weaker credit growth than many other parts of the world. Consumer confidence, business confidence are extremely subdued. But also, interestingly, now we're seeing corporates starting to think differently about some of their pricing plans, all things that the rest of the world is looking for during the course of this year. They're happening in Sweden today, and therefore it's probably worth giving it a bit more attention. So what exactly are the latest data showing? They're pretty concerning. If you look on the housing side of things, you've got a drop in house prices that's probably close to 20% um, based on sort of piecing together um, some of the um, uh, some of the sort of underlying data we can we can look at. But if also if you look at the consumer side of the economy, retail sales spending is down getting on 11% in real terms year on year, total spending's down about 4% year on year, you've got consumer confidence close to record lows, credit growth that's really not growth anymore. Um, and altogether, this is an economy that's slowing down very, very quickly, and is likely already in recession. What's the reaction been to that slowdown in demand? So we've seen a little bit of a change in terms of the 
um, pricing strategies of businesses. So originally, all the way through last year, you had a very, very strong um, situation with lots of um, lots of businesses raising their prices to, because you had very, very strong demand. Then you saw the uh, opposite story start to happen so far this year, where businesses were getting a little bit more concerned about demand situation. They're starting talking about discounting. And this could be a really interesting lead indicator for the rest of the world when thinking about those inflationary pressures. Because if businesses are starting to think about discounting, this could feed through into inflation further down the line. So what is the outlook for inflation and what will the central bank do? So we think at the moment that inflation is going to come down quite quickly uh, in the second half of this year. But that's not quick enough for the Riks Bank. So the, the Riks Bank, the Swedish central bank, is likely to lift its policy rate at its next meeting in June. Um, but by the time we get to the back end of this year, we think we're going to see um, a bit of a collapse um, in those inflation data. And coupled with um, weakness in demand, we think this could lead to a bit of a, a change in tack from the, from the central bank. And we still expect rate cuts to start at the very end of this year and rate cuts to continue through next year. So the Swedish example, that lead indicator potentially for the rest of the world, World could well mean it's one of the first developed market central banks to start cutting rates. James, thanks very much. Thanks very much. Now, with the latest earnings season broadly complete, our data science team has used natural language processing, or NLP, to analyse what companies have been saying on their earnings call. Shiva June, data scientist, is here to explain. June, welcome to the podcast. It's good to be here. Thank you. So, firstly, give us a sense of the scale of the processing that's taking place. Yes. So every quarter, thousands and thousands of companies release their earnings reports. And uh, probably for sector analysts, it's easier to just focus on their individual group of companies. But when you take all of these companies together, it's impossible for any one human to read through hundreds and thousands of reports every quarter. And this is where machines excel. Uh, NLP, it's a branch of artificial intelligence where we teach machines how to read Uh, and understand language as humans do. And then we use it to understand what are the overarching themes that companies around the world are talking or discussing uh, currently. So let's start with the macro picture. What what is the NLP analysis this time picking up? So as it's in the news everywhere, interest rates and macro backdrop is something the companies are discussing everywhere. Uh, What we find interesting was the things which companies are not mentioning anymore. And uh, the two key themes were recession and inflation. The company management is not that concerned about these two particular themes, which suggests that the fears of recession and inflation uh, sort of peaked in the last earnings season and are now dissipating. So that would be a sort of fairly positive signal from your perspective? It would hope so. Uh, It looks like the things which the companies are now more focused on is the things that they know more about. So their earnings and their margins and their revenues and the sentiment that the companies are showing for these topics, which they, they, they would have a key insight on, has been more positive this earnings season than it was the last one. So looking at these two contrasting things together, it, it does show some optimism um, across different companies, across different sectors for this earnings season. And another interesting one was the, the, the term destocking. That seemed to feature, didn't it? Yes, that's a big one uh, this earnings season. We find growing evidence of uh, companies in DM economies talking about destocking. Now, that in turn is an interesting term because we haven't seen that in the past couple of years where companies were focusing on restocking during the supply chain issues. 
destocking now means uh, companies at some point will have to replenish their inventories, uh, perhaps at a better price point, uh, which is going to lead to a better growth and also provide a sustenance to uh, leading indicators like new orders inventories, which is currently at the super low levels. Because from all the work that you've done around NLP, the evidence is that it has some quite good predictive powers. Yes, it does, uh, especially the sentiment that we measure for different themes across the companies. And we found that it has very good relationship with classic leading indicators like ISM. So we are seeing ISM has not rebounded yet, but the company sentiment has actually rebounded quite positively, which suggests there's going to be a rebound in growth in the near term. Now, in your in your report, there's a fantastic chart which you know tracks, for example, the the increase in interest in a particular term. And one of the terms that's gone sort of rocketing up is artificial intelligence. I suppose that's not surprising, but it's still a pretty powerful signal. Yes, everyone wants to talk about AI right now, kind of mirroring global trends. Uh, but yeah, that's true. Both in EM companies and EM companies, everyone's talking about artificial intelligence, specifically about generative AI, and it's not something that you wouldn't expect because although it's a very important disruptive technology, uh, generative AI, I think, is going to be very important in enabling automation across industry, across sectors. Uh, and we find evidence of that in the report because we see uh, the company management are talking about things like generative AI much more often than even robots. To put it in perspective, robots are something companies have been using for decades now. It does provide a interesting avenue to see how much uh, this hype has um, surrounded all the sectors and industries. Well, we'll see how that develops. But for now, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. That brings us to the end of another podcast. Thanks to our guests, Dara Maher, James Pomeroy, and Shiva June. From all of us here, thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for joining us at HSBC Global Viewpoint. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Make sure you're subscribed to stay up to date with new episodes.